Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you again for this communion that we have with you, O Lord, communion that we have with your Son, communion that we have with your Holy Spirit. We thank you, Lord, that you are indeed our triune God. Um, and Lord, we know that there are so many benefits that come from worshiping you on this Lord's Day. And so we ask, Lord, that as we are about to hear a word from you, that was given uh, long ago to these Christians that were in Thessalonica. Uh, we pray, Lord, that as we may have read this many, many times, uh, we pray, Lord, that we would receive it uh, with fresh new eyes, um, new ears, uh, to receive all the things that you have in store for us uh, with regards to this passage. Help us to be refreshed. Um, help us to really love and cherish the spirit that you have uh, bestowed upon us. And as the spirit um, communicates to us the love of you, Heavenly Father, and as the spirit communicates to us the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, we pray that as we leave here, that we would have indeed sweet, sweet communion uh, with our triune God. Bless your work, uh, bless this passage, and bless the reading of your word and even the exhortation. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Please rise as we hear a word from the Lord. I will back up in verse 12 uh, for context, as these are the final instructions of the, the Apostle Paul to this church that's in Thessalonica. And so let us read God's word, starting in verse 12 in chapter 5. We ask you, brothers, to respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Be at peace among yourselves. And we urge you, brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the faint hearted, help the weak, be patient with them all. See that no one repays anyone for evil for evil, but always seek to do good to one another and to everyone. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the spirit, do not despise prophecies, but test everything and hold fast to what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. Amen. That is a reading of God's word. Please be seated. As I uh, started um, this, the reading of God's word, um, and as we have been examining uh, these past few sermons and exhortations, um, this is the final uh, list of ex basically commands from the Apostle Paul to this church that has been, uh, again, a new church, um, and they are profiting in the, in the word, profiting in the spirit. The spirit is working through this church and Paul gives these last final instructions just to encourage them to, to continue to pursue uh, some of the things that they are already are doing, but to even move forward, to, get, to give greater emphasis 
on some of the things that they are already uh, doing and encouraging each other with. And so that's really the context as we are about to approach the end of this first letter uh, to these Christians that are in Thessalonica. Um, but the next few verses, uh, this is a very, very serious subject that we really need to understand, especially as it applies to our day. Um, we have a lot of things that are seemingly going against the church, but as we know, anybody who's really spiritual, there is really no obstacle for the church. Really, the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. And it's not like the gates, the, the Satan and his demons are going up to the church with gates. No, we are drawing for, we are the offense. And so there were nothing, nothing will prevail against the church. But there are some things that are troubling in our times. Um, and a lot of it has to do with these, this passage that we have just read. What we need to realize is that as we go about, you know, secular, secularization of this uh, United States of America um, and all these things that are happening, uh, we need to realize that our biggest foe or enemy is not certain social issues or political issues. The biggest problem that we have right now is that people are rejecting the Holy Spirit. And that's our problem. That's why we have not seen many revivals in our day. We are continually rejecting the, the, the preach word, especially the prophetic word, as we read about it uh, all throughout scripture, um, and especially the preach word. The preach word is rejected many, many, many times, even in Reformed churches. And what we need to really realize that by doing this, we are quenching the Holy Spirit in our own lives um, and even in the lives of others. And so we got to really watch how we uh, interact with each other and how we interact with the word of the Lord. And so originally I was going to have one sermon, but I have to break this down into two, particularly when it says do not despise prophecy, um, because we need to understand a redemptive historical understanding of how God's people have rejected prophecy time and time again. And that's why Peter, and that's why Paul, Peter, many other apostles continue to encourage the church not to quench the spirit, not to grieve the spirit, and to not despise a prophecy. So it's going to be part one, how not to quench the spirit. And so the teaching that we are to get, gather from this, uh, this sermon is that the Christian must know the person and work of the Holy Spirit. They must know the person and work of the Holy Spirit. And then the Christian must understand what quenches the spirit. Understand what quenches the spirit and abstain uh, from those things. And so point number one, the Christian must know the person of the work of the Holy Spirit. And then the second point will be, we are not to quench the Holy Spirit ever, ever. And you can look at the Greek as you read this, and you could uh, translate this, don't you ever quench the Holy Spirit. 
because it's very it's the way it's com- it's coming about is this is something that God's people ought to never do, never do in a time in a, in all the redemptive history. So, point number one: the Christian must know the person and work of the Holy Spirit. First of all, let's take a step back. God is triune. We serve a triune God. He is. He is Trinity. God is Trinity. He is the Father, He is the Son, and He is the Holy Spirit. The, uh, the Trinity can be articulated as the ontological Trinity. The Father is never um, proceeding, He is not begotten, but the Son is eternally begotten, eternally begotten of the Father. And the Holy Spirit is eternally proceeding uh, from the Father and the Son. And this is something that we, we see all, all throughout Scripture, but this is something that we need to understand. This is the persons of the Trinity working together in unity. And that's how we understand the ontological Trinity. But then there's economic relations. Some people say economic Trinity, but we got to be careful whenever we say that uh, because it's not like the, the Son is less holier or, or works less than the Holy Spirit. It's, they all coincide but there are economic relations amongst them. Um, the father is, sets the plan of redemption. The, the son purchases our redemption. And then the Holy Spirit applies our redemption, applies our redemption, applies salvation to each and every one of us. And so the emphasis here is on the Holy Spirit here. And And the reason why uh, the Apostle Paul is bringing this up is because, as we have been discussing, we are to rejoice always, we are to pray without ceasing, and we are to give thanks. Well, you can't do that. You cannot do that without the Holy Spirit. you got to have the Spirit working in you in order for you to pray, to rejoice always, to pray without ceasing, and to always give thanks in every circumstance. Even as these people, of uh, God's people here, are going through persecution, in order to give thanks in that, you need the Holy Spirit, and you cannot grieve the Holy Spirit. The grieving the Holy Spirit will hinder you from rejoicing, and so it's related. But he's mentioned the Holy Spirit in this letter already, in First uh, Thessalonians chapter one, verse five, verse six. This is again how God's people have received this word. Because our gospel came to you not only in word, but also in power of the Holy Spirit and with full conviction, you know what kind of men we proved to be among you for your sake. And you became imitators, imitators of us and of the Lord. For you received the word in much affliction and with what? With joy of the Holy Spirit. So it's the Spirit empowering them. And so that's why he's bringing it up again. And then 1 Thessalonians uh, chapter 4, verse 8, he says, Therefore, whoever disregards this, talking about the, 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 the disregarding their sanctification, whoever disregards this, disregards not man, but God, who gives the Holy Spirit to you. And that's why we must pursue our sanctification as we uh, go about living this Christian life. But this is not the only passage that Paul brings this up. There are similar passages all throughout Scripture. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30, 
And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. And then 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 6, this is Timothy, who is a man who is Paul's son in the faith. And he's a man that is an evangelist, and he is sent to preach God's word. And what does Paul tell him to do? For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying of hands. And why is he mentioning flaming on the flame? Flaming into flame. Well, we're going to get into how the Holy Spirit is being poured out upon his spirit. And so even in that passage and, and as he as Paul exhorts all Christians, we are to really take the ministry and work of the Holy Spirit seriously. And so the emphasis is on the Holy Spirit here. Now, the Holy Spirit is God. He is not a created force. He is not some type of energy that's in the air, in the air, that's heresy. We had to battle that um, in the early days of the church. And we're still battling it now, actually, uh, with different cults that are all about uh, throughout the world. And so he is not a creative force or energy. The Holy Spirit is called Jehovah. He is called Jehovah. He is called Yahweh. And there's an example of that in, in Isaiah chapter 6, uh, cross-reference to Acts 28. In Isaiah 6, when he stood before the Lord, the temple, um, and he had this vision, and he saw the glory of the Lord. You, you know the story. Holy, 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 as the angels were singing unto the Lord. And what, and what, what, what was Isaiah's response? He says, And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? Who will go for us? Then I said, Here I am, send me. And he said, Go and say to this people, keep on hearing, but do not understand. Keep on seeing, but do not perceive. Make the heart of this people dull and their ears heavy and blind their eyes, lest they see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their hearts and turn and be healed. Then I said, how long, O Lord? And he said, until the cities lay waste. Now we know in John, uh, this is, what he, what the the writer, Apostle John, is bringing about that John, well Isaiah is seeing the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ, but that's not all he sees. That's not all who's speaking here. It's the Spirit. The Spirit is speaking as well. And so, cross reference to Acts twenty five, twenty eight, verse twenty five. It says, and disagreeing among themselves, they departed after Paul and made one statement: the Holy Spirit was right in saying to your fathers through Isaiah the prophet, go to this people and say, you will indeed hear, but never understand. You will indeed see, but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull, and with their ears they can barely hear, and their eyes they have closed, lest they see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and turn, and I will heal them. Again, the same, the same verses, the same passages. The same, the same words are given unto the Holy Spirit. It's, 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 it's one of those things that it's a mystery. It's a mystery how this comes about. And I can't really explain it. This is one of those sermons that's it's very hard to even explain how this is this mysterious trinity, God, the God that we serve, can be one God and three persons. It's, it's amazing. 
And so he is called Jehovah, as we have seen here. He is the Lord that Isaiah saw. The Holy Spirit is a person. He's, again, he's not a force. He's not some, some, some energy out there. He is a person. He is called the Spirit in relation to the first and the second person of the Trinity. He is called the Holy Spirit due to his manner of work, especially toward the elect. And he is called the Spirit of Christ and his work of redemption in Christ Jesus upon us. Taking what is his, the Lord Jesus's, and giving it to us, the elect. That's how he is called the Spirit of Christ. He has knowledge. First Corinthians chapter 2, verse 10 and 11 shows that. Uh, he has a will. First Corinthians chapter 12, verse 11 allows that. So first Corinthians chapter 10, chapter 2, verse 10 to 11. It says, these things God has revealed to us through the Spirit, for the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except the spirit of that person which is in him? So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. And then 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 11. And these are empowered by one and the same spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. So the spirit has a will. So he is indeed a person. He is the person of the Trinity. And there are works that are contributed to the Holy Spirit. You know, creation, Genesis chapter 1, verse 2, Spirit hovered over the waters. He makes life. God breathed into the nostrils of Adam. By the way, the word breath means it's, it's the same word for spirit. It's the same word for spirit. He makes life. He dispenses spiritual gifts. It's the spirit that does that. He teaches us how to pray. There's many passages that show that. He leads us. He is the comforter. John chapter 14, John chapter 15. He seals us. We just read that, Ephesians. He is the spirit of adoption by whom you cry out, Abba, Father. Again, you, now you see how this is related. Pray without ceasing. He is the spirit of adoption, the spirit you cry out, Abba, Father. And so, he also works faith in us. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, the Spirit works faith in us. He regenerates us. He changes our, our eyes and our hearts to receive the word of God for what it truly is, to repent. That's him regenerating us. And, and what a beauty. He unites us to Christ. The death and resurrection of Christ is applied by the power of the Holy Spirit upon us. He unites us. There are many doctrines that we love and cherish, but one of my favorites is the union of Christ that he has with the saints, that we are united to the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what helps many people uh, get, to, get through hard times, but also get through joyous times because we are united to the Lord. He leads us, he comforts us, he seals us, and he would abide with us through all eternity. That is the Holy Spirit. And so this is just a brief overview of the person and works of the Holy Spirit. And so by application, 
Again, do you commune with the Holy Spirit? Do you, do, do you really truly cherish the Holy Spirit and his ministry over your life? If you do, then you would embrace the Father's love for you. You embrace the love, God's love and care by electing you before the foundation of the world. And you would embrace the grace that is given through the Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. That is fellowship with the Trinity. That is fellowship with the Holy Spirit. And that's the Holy Spirit's work. He loves to point you towards the love of the Father. He loves to point to you towards the grace that is given through the Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit loves that. And that is why we need to commune with him more and more often and appreciate the work, the person and work of the Holy Spirit. So give thanks and praise to our triune God. All things, and I've said this before, I said this last week, I believe, all things that are going on in your life, whether it be a blessing, you having a, a, a wife, or you having a husband, you having children, your job, your calling, your, your work, that is the work that's being done uh, through you by the power of the Spirit, all these things that the Lord bestows upon each and every one of you is because you are united to your God, the triune God. All things are given by the Trinity. All things. It's the Trinity that helps us. And so everything that we need to give thanks uh, to the tri our triune God for. And all oh, that there would be more brothers and sisters who delight in the Trinity of our, the, the, the Trinity, that would delight in the Trinity. In the early church, there were many books that were written about the Trinity, each person. But we don't see books like that these days. Not many. A lot of, a lot of our writing has to do with things that are many, many, many shallow things. How to have a better check, build a better checkbook, how to do this and how to do that. But the early church was mesmerized and infatuated and loved the Trinity, the three persons that were united with a, that united together to serve their people, to save their people. And so give thanks and praise to our triune God. Second point, the Christian must understand what quenches the spirit and abstain from those things. We must never quench the Holy Spirit. Now, it's amazing as we read this passage that it don't make us tremble and, and think a bit because it says, do not quench the Holy Spirit. Now, what did Jesus say about the hellfire? What did he say about the hellfire that many people will go to? He calls it the fire that, it, that cannot be quenched. The fire that cannot be quenched. And here we got Apostle Paul saying that the spirit can be quenched? That's amazing. And this is, by the way, this word quench is a rare verb. It's a rare verb that is, that, that is given here. And it means to pour water on, extinguish. It's as if the Holy Spirit is a fire. And, and many times throughout the scriptures, the Holy Spirit is compared 
even to fire. Matthew chapter 3. This is uh, the Apostle John, well, not the, well, John the Baptist. says, I baptize you with water for repentance, but he who is coming after, after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. I will bapt- I, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire, his winnowing fork in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn, but the chaff will, be, will burn with unquenchable fire. Acts chapter 2, verse 3 and 4. You remember this as the, in the spirit of Pentecost. Acts chapter 2, verse 3 and 4. And divided the tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave utterance. So it's, it's as if the description of the, of the Holy Spirit it's like, it's like a fire. It's like a fire, a fire of judgment, a fire of, of purifying. And that's why you, you have to do a biblical, biblical theology of fire itself. But really, it's amazing that the Holy Spirit is, is compared and even linked to fire. So what is the Apostle Paul saying here? Where don't quench the Holy Spirit. Do not pour water on the fire of the Holy Spirit. Do not extinguish the Holy Spirit. The Apostle Paul is forbidding deliberate suppression of the Holy Spirit and his works. Realize this, the Holy Spirit is sovereign, but we can quench the ministry and the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives by our day-to-day activities. And so, We can do that, especially when it comes to not receiving and giving thanks and obeying prophecy, the preach word of the Lord. And that's why he I have to spend a lot more time on, you know, despising uh, prophecy. That's why I had to make this uh, two sermons, because a lot needs to be said about that. A lot needs to be said about that. But as for now, I'm going to go in and how there are many ways that we do quench the spirit it is not the spirit himself but the gifts and the operations of the spirit that's being quenched that's being quenched the spirit enlightens us the spirit quickens us the spirit sanctifies us the the spirit comforts us those are the daily operations that the spirit gives upon our lives and when we reject the holy spirit in many other in many ways those things can be quenched. Those who by sloth, carnal security, worldliness can diminish all those operations in their lives. But grace will not truly depart from those who are truly Christian, those who are truly regenerate. Yet they will be abated. They will be uh, diminished. Now, a dangerous thing that we need to understand is there are common operations that are of the Holy Spirit upon even those who are not elect. The Holy Spirit gives gifts, and we need to realize that those gifts, if you're not, if you're not regenerated, once they're taken, you're gone. You can't get them back. They're lost. And Hebrews chapter 6, verse 4 through 6 speaks to this. 
For it is impossible in the case of those who have once been enlightened, there's the work of the Spirit, who have tasted the heavenly gift and have shared in the Holy Spirit and have tasted the goodness of the word of God and the powers of the age to come and then have fallen away to restore them again to repentance, to restore them again to repentance, since they are crucifying once again the Son of God to their own harm and holding him up to contempt. And you know the, the description of what those People who are in, 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 in the passage in Hebrews, the chapter in Hebrews, these are people who are want to go back to the old things, the temple, the sacrifices, all these things. They want to go back and enact that upon the church. And they're saying, look, you cannot do that. You are rejecting prophecy. And that, by the way, the, that spirit that was upon you, that anointed you for gifts, be taken away and it's lost forever. You're gone. Acts chapter 7, verse 51, Stephen, in his, in his uh, plea towards the, the Pharisees, he calls them, you stiff-necked people, uncircumcised in heart and ears, you always resist the Holy Spirit as your fathers did, and so do you. And so there are people who have common operations, gifts of the Holy Spirit, but not graces. They're not born again. But nevertheless, because the Spirit is sovereign in his administration, nevertheless, they have gifts and, and those gifts are taken away and they never, you never see them again if they're, not, if they're truly not regenerated. And so, and by the way, that's the, the context of Matthew chapter 7. Did we not prophesy in your name? Do we not cast out demons? All these things that those are powerful outworkings of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus says, I never knew you. It's one of those things that we got to be aware of for those who are definitely not Christian, who are unregenerate. But nevertheless, they have the gifts of the spirit. The gifts can be once the spirit is quenched, those gifts can be taken away. Now, there are examples of grieving the spirit. Number one, not having a love and joy for Jesus Christ. The, the love and grace that the Lord Jesus Christ gives you each and every day. Losing that joy that you have in the Lord Jesus Christ that quenches the spirit. Because what is the spirit supposed, what is, his, what is his role? He wants to bring you to a full inheritance of what the Lord Jesus Christ has done for you. And so when you... Do not appreciate that. We and you are not giving thanks for that. What are you doing? You're grieving. You're grieving the Holy Spirit. You're quenching the fire. Rejecting the word. And this, again, has to do with prophecy. Rejecting the word of the Lord. Not, not obeying it. Not seeking it. Not being thankful for it. Not relishing it. That's can grieve and quench the Holy Spirit because the Spirit works in through the Word, each and every one of us. Rejecting the work of the Spirit, revival, conversions. There's, a, there's an outflow of the Holy Spirit, and many, many people are being converted. Many, many people are experiencing revival 
And then there's a church that just looks at it and says, oh, the Lord's working in, in, in so many ways. He's, he's ruining things. We need to keep things where they are. We need to stay strict to all the rules that we have. And what are we doing? We're quenching the Holy Spirit. Many people are coming to the faith and we just rejecting it because it hurts our, it puts things in perspective. Well, well, we got to rely upon the Holy Spirit here. And many people do not want to rely upon the Holy Spirit. Lack of preparation for worship, that quenches the Spirit. That quenches the Spirit. We are supposed to come in knowing what our sins are, knowing the, the blessedness that it is to come into the house of the Lord and experience a word from him. Lack of meditation. We, we are, are reading a book uh, on meditation of, of you know, uh, actually two books, Meditations on the Trinity, but also meditation as a, a discipline in God's people. Meditation is something that we have, it's one of the lost things that we have had in our day because we're just so many, we're just on the move all the time. And we don't sit, sit back and, re, and realize the word that is upon each and every one of our hearts. And we don't meditate and relish those things. And by the way, y'all meditate all the time. All the time. This is what do you actually want to think about? What do you want to remember? What do you want to cherish? We meditate all the time. It's just what do we put our meditation on? Is it the triune God? Is it our salvation? Is it our love? Is it the love of Jesus Christ for us? Those are very beautiful meditations. The scriptures that we read, how many times we do it as, as if it's like a checklist, but we don't relish it, savor it. I hope y'all don't do that with your meals. You have to, you can't just eat fast and not enjoy your meal. That's, that's, that's ridiculous. Savor it. Enjoy it. Talk about it. You do that over your meals. Why can't we do that over the works of the Lord? And so lack of meditation, not keeping the Lord's day holy. It's not any other day. It's a day where the Lord, it's the market day of the soul. It's the day the Lord draws near more and more to the people. And if we do not keep the Lord's day holy, we use the Lord's day, we hear the word being preached. And then the next thing you know, whenever we hear the benediction, we're talking about something completely different, not really relishing of what we just heard. That quenches the spirit as the spirit was leading us into his worship. Unprofitable hearing of the word of God. The word of God is being preached, unprofitable hearing. Just reject it. Mean, go about your business, go about your daily living, and then you forget. What was the sermon about? That quenches the spirit. Contradicting prayer. How many things we pray about? And the spirit is the spirit of prayer. How many things we do pray about? And then out, and as we lift up off our, 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 come up off our knees, and we contradict what we just prayed about, does that not grieve the Holy Spirit? You go to your job and you complain about the job that you are working in, that same job that was an answer of a prayer from the Lord. 
You're grieving the Holy Spirit. You're quenching the Holy, the Holy Spirit for what he is doing in your life. And I, 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 there are many parts of the Lord's Prayer that I would say is just sometimes we just contradict. I used to say that, you know, give us today our daily bread because sometimes we just, we get more than that and we still not satisfied. And we just prayed that prayer. But you want to know what actually is the, the part in the Lord's Prayer that is the most contradicted? The amen. That, that is what's contradicted. Because when you say amen, that means surely the Lord has heard me. Surely this is the thing that are on my heart. Surely these things are true. Surely the Lord will hear me and, and draw near to me and hear the cry. But a lot of times we contradict our prayers and that is, that's grieves the Holy Spirit. Practicing sin. Practicing sin in our life. No repentance. Saying, well, maybe I'll repent later. You know, maybe I'll repent upon my deathbed. Maybe I'll repent upon, you know, next week or something. I can do this sin. And maybe, maybe I can, maybe I'll repent later. But you don't know that. The Holy Spirit is the power of repentance, gives the power of repentance. And you cannot persuade the Holy Spirit into giving you uh Repentance, when you, when you don't even want it, you enjoy the sin. That is something that we have to really watch. That is what quenches the Holy Spirit as well. Giving attention to worldliness, music, movies, games. Again, all these things are okay in and of themselves. But spending hours and hours each day, too much time in entertainment, and then you wonder why you get up off whatever you've done, whatever it is you've done, the movie, the inter whatever, the music, whatever it is. And then you wonder why, man, I feel so tired. I don't feel so spiritual. When it's time for family worship, you're not really like there. You're not really there. The reason why is because you quench the spirit. You gotta have, you gotta manage the time that you are, are investing in. So too much time and leisure and entertainment. <sighs> forgiveness. Holding unforgiveness. That quenches the spirit. That quenches the spirit, not only in, in others, but in yourself. Taking care of your body. You are body and soul. And the spirit gave you that body. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Not taking care of your body, that, even that, actually quenches the Holy Spirit. But there are circumstances that you can quench the Holy Spirit in others. A display of the examples I've just mentioned towards others. That quenches the Spirit in others. Enforcing traditions upon people. That quenches the Spirit. False teaching. You're going to get into that, by the way, in despising prophecy. Of holding fast to what is good, false teaching, lack of love, shunning, that quenches the spirit in others. Unthankfulness for their work, that quenches the spirit in others. Discouraging and rejecting ministers, that quenches the spirit. And there are many ministers who are young, who are up and coming, 
they left the ministry. They're questioning their calling because so many people have come up to them and quenched the fire that was once in them. Now, again, that's their that state. They need to come to a knowledge and a realization of why they are being called. But don't put stumbling blocks in people's way. That really hurts and quenches the spirit uh, upon a person. And so those are some of the circumstances. There are many others. It's just like Paul's list throughout the New Testament. There are many. It's like these things and then more. All evil can quench the Holy Spirit if we continue in that evil. And so we need to watch. And so constantly resisting the Holy Spirit, it will make evident that you never knew the Lord. If you constantly, constantly resist, that's what, that's what's, that's what, um, that's what uh, Stephen was saying in Acts chapter 7. You are constantly resisting the Holy Spirit. And that's exactly what those, those Pharisees were doing. And many, many people constantly resist the Holy Spirit. And if that is the case, it will be evident that they never knew the Lord Jesus. So do you see, as we start, as we end part one, do we see how serious this sin is? This grieving, this quenching of the Holy Spirit. Have you been quenching the Holy Spirit in yourselves and in others? Then all of us really here, all of us, every single one of us need to repent. We have quenched the Holy Spirit, many of us. And we need to ask the Lord for forgiveness. That's what all of us need to do. Ask for forgiveness. And the good thing about that is you're acknowledging is Jesus, is the Father, is the grace that is given through them. The Holy Spirit will meet you there and give you insight and encourage you and lift you up. But you got to humble yourself. We all have to humble ourselves and realize how serious this sin is and how we have been quenching the Holy Spirit. And understand the consequences of quenching the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, are you experiencing them now? Again, cry out to the Lord for forgiveness. There are many, many consequences that many people will have to go through if you continue to quench the Holy Spirit. So examine yourself often by the word of God. Again, the Spirit works through the word. So examine yourself. Test yourself and come to the Lord. Come to the Lord Jesus Christ for forgiveness. And he will meet you there. He will meet you there. Now, accept and receive the love of God the Father. Accept and receive God the Son, who is given to you by the Spirit. And so you must accept that if you do not, if you continue to reject that, that is a dangerous folly. Is dangerous to yourself, is dangerous to your spouse, is dangerous to your children, is dangerous to your church. Many churches have rejected the Holy Spirit and they are no longer here. So continue to not resist, to not, to not reject the Holy Spirit. Please, we got to understand this and, and really take this into consideration. 
Now, some here may have common operations of the Holy Spirit. They may. I'm not sure. I hope all of you are regenerated and believing in the Lord Jesus Christ and resting in him. But I don't know that by by just I don't have supernatural knowledge of who the elect are. The church, as we know, is a mixed bag. And so I hope everyone here doesn't have just common operations of the Holy Spirit, but no grace, the grace, the saving grace of the Holy Spirit. Because you remember what happened to Saul, who was empowered by the Spirit. He rejected it. There's many others. And so we got to, I hope that that is not you. But if that is you, if you have the common operation of the Holy Spirit, and you are not resting in the saving work of the Lord Jesus Christ, then you need to repent and trust in the Lord while there's still time. We don't know when the second coming of the Lord, when it's going to appear, as we heard this morning. So while there's still time, while there's still time of repentance, repent and trust and truly know what it is the Lord has in store for each and every one of you who believe in the Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Do not quench the Spirit in that way. Because there are many who have fallen away and never have returned again. So, by the gospel invitation that I give to you, for those who have common operations of the Holy Spirit, is to believe in the Son of the Lord Jesus Christ. Believe in the Son. Rest in Him. Trust in Him. He is the one who lived a perfect life, he is the one who died on the cross for our sins. He is the one who is raised. He is the one who is ascended. And what is he doing as he is ascended? He pours out his spirit upon all who cry out, who sincerely cry out to the Lord, save me. And he will save you if you truly repent from your sins. But for all of us who are believers, who are trusting in the Lord, let us watch how we live our lives each and every day and be careful not to grieve the Holy Spirit. And when we do and we see it, how we are grieving the Holy Spirit, let us repent and turn back to the Lord and keep praying for days of revival where we will see more and more people manifesting the glory that is in the Lord Jesus Christ, manifesting the glory that is in the Father and manifesting the Spirit's work in our lives. Let's keep praying. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for uh, reminding us of the person and work of the Holy Spirit. And Lord, we are indeed just, there's so much that can be said, Lord. And so we pray that you would ha have us, O oh Lord, to really examine ourselves, to appreciate the Spirit's work in our life, but Lord, also to be careful not to grieve or quench the Holy Spirit. Help us in every way, Father. And for those who do not believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray, Lord, that you would grant salvation unto them, that you would allow them to be born again from your Holy Spirit, and that you would continue to work in them as you are continuing to work in all your people as we anticipate the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. The bride and the spirit say come. Amen. And now we have a hymn of response, hymn number 